401ks are one of the key ways that Americans save for retirement. And while they expect most of their retirement income will come from their employer-sponsored plan, an Allianz study found that two-thirds of Americans worried that their plan will run out of money during their retirement. In recent years, we've had legislation that helps give people the option of putting some of their 401k funds into an annuity. As this option becomes more common in employer plans, you can expect your clients to be coming to you with many questions. And today's guest is here to help us with the answers. Welcome to Rebuilding Retirement, Navigating a New Reality with Your Clients, a podcast series from Allianz Life Insurance Company of North America. I'm Travis Walker. Our guest today, Bob Toth, is an employee benefits attorney who specializes in retirement income. Bob has practiced employee benefits law for 40 years, focusing on the design, administration, and distribution of financial products and services for retirement plans. Today, Bob is going to walk us through the changing expectations for employer-sponsored retirement plans, what you should know to offer your clients guidance, and finally, we're going to be looking ahead to what Bob sees as the next innovation coming to employer retirement benefits. So let's get to it. Bob, welcome to Rebuilding Retirement. Well, hello, Travis. Good to see you. Uh, So first things first, how did we get here? Like, where do we start in the story about retirement benefits through employers and why are employers so linked to retirement? Well, that's, I mean, it goes, this goes way back. Um, I mean, the first retirement plan, employer-based retirement plan that we all know of is probably like 1875, right? And so it was employer funded. They were all defined benefit programs where the advisor had very little to do with it, that the employer just put up a trust-funded plan, and they made contributions to it, much like the purchase of an annuity contract, where um, they would make contributions, and the employers, that those plans would then pay to employees, you know, the benefit, whatever was accumulated under their plan. So, again, it's been around for 150 years, uh, pension plans. Uh, 401k plans themselves uh, weren't around, really. I mean, 403b plans actually were established in, you know, like 1918 so they've been around a little over 100 years but they were actually purchased they were actually set up as the individual purchase of you know single life annuities by the employer so it wasn't really these things were not asset accumulation plans they were all designed to provide a monthly benefit to the employees uh, which would tie them over after retirement and over the years pension plans became very much a part of the implied employment contract between employers and their employees. I mean, Phil Sporzy actually put it once, well, once about 20 years ago as we're talking about this stuff. She, she says, a good job includes good retirement. It became part of the employment culture that if you're really going to have a serious full-time employment, employers need to fund retirement plans as well as part of that. So we've been there again since 1875 or so. And again, these things were first established as um, as uh, you know monthly payment programs coming from the employer. The employer would not be out there accumulating assets for the employee. So financial advisors were nowhere to be seen when this was happening. You know, the 401k plan really didn't come into place until. Oh, uh, I believe it was the 1976 Act, and until ERISA came around. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, the, the private sharing plans became more and more in vogue in the mid 70s or so, and there were a few. There were a handful of large employers. I worked for one of them where they actually didn't have a pension plan. 
they had decided that they were just going to have a profit sharing plan where they would put a portion of the company's profits into this trust deed asset accumulation plan, which was controlled by the employer. Now, the hmm. company I had worked for was really interesting because they had found out that come the early 80s, that this profit sharing plan that they had established um, was being abused by employees. The employees really? would run through their money. They had actually, we, so one of the first jobs I had when I joined this employer back in 85 or so, we had to establish what is called a gratuitous retirement plan for these uh, former employees of this company because we had employees going out and taking this big chunk of money in their profit sharing plan and doing things like buying RVs that would rust out or buying gas stations with leaking underground storage tanks. <laughs> and it was an embarrassment for the company where a significant number of their employ former employees and retirees were now on the welfare rolls in the county because they would take their accumulated account balance in their profit sharing plan and actually didn't spend it and waste it. And they didn't have the money anymore. And oh, so wow. we actually that's the way so we didn't actually establish the first pension plan for that company, which is really unusual, uh, until uh, until the 1980s. So, gotcha. um, so how we got here is that uh, where we are now. So when you say where we how we got here, so now we're in the circumstance where these things that these defined benefit pension plans that we all thought were sliced bread, right? And they're so critical to participants' uh, uh, good life after retirement. Is that they're a quirky thing to finding out that defined benefit plans rely upon an employer always to be there. You know, companies go out of business. Right. That's what they're designed to do that. That's what competition's all about. So when they go out of business, oftentimes their pension plans shut down, and there are a lot of bad things that happen when that happens. So one of the classic defined benefit stories is what led to ERISA was in is Studebaker. You know, ERISA passed in '74. Studebaker was a car manufacturer up yep. in South Bend and Elkhart, Indiana, where um, they had a defined benefit pension plan. The company was having a lot of struggles. What had happened is that the, the company decided to borrow money from the pension fund to get the company, keep, keep the company's business going. But then they went out of business and there were 4,000 employees and we were left without a pension. That was the straw that broke the camel's back. For yep. ERISA, and that's when ERISA was passed in order to protect uh, employee rights. Well, that actually was the sign of the times that defined benefit plans, as valuable as they are, were difficult to fund, difficult to run, and they depended upon the employer always being there. So what we have seen in the past 20 years, particularly, is a serious decline in defined benefit programs, and instead a huge increase in 401k plans, profit sharing plans, 403b plans, where instead of putting money into a, a trust fund that will fund a future payout of benefits, employers started funding asset accumulation vehicles for employees. And they would rely upon that to help fund their retirement once they, once they left the company. And gotcha. so for the advisor, think about that for the advisor. So now we have, we're moving from a spot where you're getting a set amount of money, a participant's getting a set amount of money per month, supposedly for the rest of their lives, um, being replaced. Now they have a chunk of money, which you 
which they can run out of unless they seek the advice of somebody like the advisor to help them figure out how to manage that pile of money of that will last for the rest of their lives. So that's gotcha. how we got there. It's been, it's been kind of like this gradual sort of evolution on retirement. So where we are now is that, of course, defined contribution plans are the dominant form of retirement plans. What are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the employee benefit space since the 1980s? The, the biggest thing is the shift from the employer's responsibility for determining to managing lifetime income from the employer to the employee. You gotcha. think about a an old DB plan, an old defined benefit plan. You know, you'd get a guaranteed $200 a month for the rest of your life, and you just get a check coming in the mail all the time. Uh, with those plans now virtually disappearing, the responsibility for you, instead of having a pile of money there, instead of the $200 check a month or $500 check a month, you now have the responsibility for, number one, getting your money in there, but number two, managing the payout of the investment and, those, and the payout of those monies. That has probably been the biggest shift. It's the, a heavier burden has been placed on the plan participant, one, for acting responsibly in accumulating the benefits and then not accessing those benefits during your employment and spend it on things like your, you, know, you want to have a big wedding for your daughter, right? So you go take a hardship distribution or a loan from your plan and right. it reduces your retirement benefit. So that has been the most fundamental shift is that more responsibility moving from the employer to the employee in trying to figure out how to have a secure retirement. Gotcha. So speaking of secure, and we'll get to that, but yeah. first we're gonna fast forward to 2019 and the yeah. 401k is king. Yeah. How did the original SECURE Act come about? and What were the pressures that led to that legislation? Well, you know, SECURE Act 1 is, was a dozen years in the making. Um, but it, there, were some, there were a number of very fundamental changes that the law brought in, but it did actually was the first one to actually address some of the fundamental issues we had in trying to provide lifetime income from these 401k plans to replicate in some way the guarantees that you're used to be getting out of your defined benefit plan. So we argued about all these terms in Secure 1.0 for, like I said, a dozen years. Uh, right. One of the biggest issues had to do is, should an employer who's a fiduciary to a plan, if they choose an annuity contract or an, uh, an insurance company in order to uh, provide lifetime income to a 401k plan participant, and the um, insurance company goes belly up 10 years from now, the employer didn't want to be held responsible for that. So that had always been in the background, trying to figure that one out. There's also been this, this, this huge problem is how do you, if let's say if you start establishing a guarantee underneath your 401k plan, and you have a, a you, you, you're gathering some lifetime income credits and things like that, but the employer goes and um, terminates the plan or they fire the insurance company, what happens to your guarantee? And that right. the portability of all that, it was, that was a big problem. And then one of the biggest issues out of secure 1.0 for new, that incurs a annuitization, where there are a pile of economists saying, um, we need to let people know what their 401k account balance will translate into as a monthly payment. I call it the six beer, six pack of beer a month 
theory. That is. Oh, let's hear about this. Certainly, I've sat up in my chair. I, was, let's I, go. I, I argued with these economists. You know, I was part of this whole process that went behind Secure 1.0. Is I said, look, we've got a lot of things, other things we got to do. There are a lot of technical rules that we need to be able to implement to make a 401k plan into a DB plan that without you know, to make it work as providing lifetime income. And there's a host of people out there that believe, well, as long as we tell people that they're 401k account balance, how much that's going to buy them a, a, a month in a monthly pension. I said, yeah, for most of these people, it's going to be a six pack of beer a month. <laughs> I said, we have there are other <laughs> things we can spend our time. And she said, well, I lost that argument in this. So it became a part of one of the central parts of secure. And it's been very successful, by the way. I'll, I'll admit when I've been wrong. Right. So what was happening now and started a couple of years ago, you see your, your clients, the advisor's clients, they'll get a 401k statement and on it will be an estimate of how much of a monthly benefit will their current account balance uh, provide when they go to okay. retirement. So those were the key parts of Secure 1.0. Secure they, they did Secure did a bunch of other things, but those three things really really goosed the market. Gotcha. What it did it made employers more interested in pursuing this because it reduced their liabilities and it gave more sure. And uh, from the business side, from the insurance company side, it gave them more solid grounds to stand on to do certain things in order to make these things work. So Secure has really been a was a watershed moment for lifetime income because we've been trying to do this prior to secure you know i wrote a paper back in 2007 uh about how you actually turn a 401k plan into a uh, a defined benefit program so we've been trying for a dozen years prior to that right to, uh, get some interest in the marketplace well there is, has been an explosion since secure has passed with those three simple rules there has been a tremendous interest by employers as well as insurance companies to provide products that were made for 401k plans. It's gotcha. not just a retail annuity. They actually have to be designed a little bit different, and we'll talk yep. about that in a few minutes, I'm sure. But um, so it really created, it was a watershed moment, Secure 1.0. For sure. Gotcha. So I think people are going to be able to buy that six pack of beer after all. And you have the secure. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, so it scares me. Actually, the, the economists were telling me that hey, we got to scare them a little bit. Say, look, when you see that, you think you've got that account balance there. It looks pretty good. Well, when you tell them it really, it really wants to get you a six pack yeah. of red, white, and blue every month, that, then they start have to. Scare them into saving yeah, money. Yeah, you got to scare them. I don't want to live in a beerless society. So the Secure Act <laughs> so nice. We had to do it twice. We have the 2.0 version. It comes. How have these Secure Acts accelerated the provision and acceptance of guaranteed lifetime income products in the defined contribution plans? For the advisor, when you think about it, the Secure 2.0 was actually a, uh, a nerd's dream, right? There were probably, I mean, it, Secure 2.0 was a huge, there were, I don't know, 90 different provisions in it. About a dozen of them actually affect lifetime income. But honestly, almost none of them meant anything for um, anybody who wants to receive money or a plan sponsor who wants to adopt a plan. There were highly technical rules in Secure 2.0. There were about a dozen of them that applied to lifetime income, but they were they applied to geeks like me who actually build these products, right? So there okay. were some there are some technical problems with that. Trying, the builder. To annuity, <laughs> trying to put an annuity into a 401k plan, right? There's some technical problems with that. And so uh, one thing that 2.0 did is pro try to provide the answers to a lot of these technical questions. 
So the key watershed moment still remains secure one, the first secure. Gotcha. Secure two actually made it easier for people like me to actually design these programs that will make it really possible to have innovative products that um, that you can now the, the plan sponsors can now adopt in their 401k plans. You know, before under the DB plan, you got your $500 a month for the rest of your life, and that was it, right? Yeah. It's inflexible. When you die, it died, except for the joint survivor benefit. You had no, uh, rarely had you any inflation protection. So, um, but with what 2.0 did, uh, 1.0 did, is enabled us to actually start putting in things like the living benefits, like the GLWBs and the right. GMIBs and the enhanced death benefits that have been dominant in the marketplace for years in the individual marketplace, we have now been able to design those kind of benefits into a 401k plan to take away the the ugliness and the sting and the inflexibility of that old pension benefit. So the value of the 401k lifetime income benefit is that it can look a lot like that retail product advisors have been selling for years, which really yeah. do accommodate the individual's financial needs better. I just wanted you to elaborate a little bit on that switch from the defined benefit plans to the defined contribution plans, that big shift, and how did it uh, you know, change the ways that financial professionals work with clients? Oh, it's, it's dramatic. Um, in the past, under a defined benefit plan, a financial advisor would know how much per month the uh, your client would be receiving from the company's pension plan. Yeah. It's called $500 a month, and you can plan around that, and you can establish your plans all, all around around that, and it's done. It's as simple as that. But now the financial advisor, I think, is now going to serve a central role under the 401k plans that are now providing defined, uh, defined, uh, providing the lifetime income in a couple of ways. First of all, you have to determine, you have to help them figure out how much of their account balances should currently be allocated to these lifetime income programs, which are actually set up as investments in their 401k plan. Mm. Yeah. They're not, I mean, it's not like a set benefit under the plan. These are investments. So they need the investment advisor to help them understand what percentage of their own assets should be in the investment accounts should be allocated to the purchase of uh, the lifetime income product. And then you, you raise the question, Travis, of, you know, when do you start doing it? Yeah. And is it worth it? And then uh, where do I move it? Uh, now I, I'm moving on. How can I move? How do I move it? And when do I start taking that benefit out of the program? So yeah. unlike the um, the defined benefit programs, when you left at age 65, you started getting that monthly check. Period. End of story. Right. You can actually delay taking these payments from these 401k lifetime income programs. And how does that fit into when you take Social Security? You know, when you start taking, uh, when you're doing systematic withdrawals from the rest of your plan. So it's a fundamental shift where right. it, these decisions that used to be made by the employer now need to be made by the individual. And there isn't an individual out there outside of that can do it without the assistance of a financial advisor. They need to be an integral part of this process. Lifetime income out of 401k plans doesn't work without the active involvement of the financial advisor.
Okay. Well, thanks for giving me insight into uh, what nerds dream about. That's um, yeah. I'll just keep my own dreams if that's all right, everyone. Uh, <laughs> well, so that's six pack of beer, right? <laughs> that, yeah. So it's been a few years since the first Secure Act pass. Um, right. When should financial professionals anticipate seeing clients with annuities in their 401k plans? Well, I suspect you are seeing it now. I mean, yeah. there was a big moment about a year or two ago when the California uh, University of California retirement plans adopted QLACs as part of their program. Now, a QLAC is something called a Qualified Longevity Annuity Contract. And it was uh, designed, to, what a QLAC did is it allowed you to um, subtract the value of annuity contract purchased through your 401k plan from the amounts used to determine what your required minimum distribution would be. All right, sounds silly, right? But um, what had happened when California adopted the QLAC as part of the retirement plan and made annuities in 401A plans available to now millions of participants. And so now they can go do it. And so, right. um, but now we've also seen companies like Allianz and uh, many others have now designed products and they're now have been coming to the market in the last couple of years that will provide these living benefit type of lifetime income programs through a 401k right. plan. And so it's happening now. I, I, I would be surprised if uh, the advisor isn't seeing a lot of it now. It is starting. It's, I think we've reached, finally hit a tipping point. So if you've not seen it yet, you're actually going to be seeing it soon or you're going yeah. to be getting telephone calls. There's enough marketing going out there. People are talking about it a lot. You know, and the uptake is beginning. Gotcha. So I, I, you mentioned the product and the products are great. I've seen the, you know, the one, for example, that Allianz sells, but selling the product and selling the idea, you know, and the concept are a little different, right? So many clients have never considered an annuity before seeing it as a part of a 401k plan. How should a financial professional explain the offering? Well, here's the, here's the key for the financial professional. You need to get in touch with your client. Let's say you've got the advisory agreement with your, your, your client, right? Um, you can't sell that client the 401k annuity. It always has to be bought by the plan. So the plan or the employer is the key, is the cog here. What you need to do, if you have a client who is actually in a 401k plan, who uh, has an annuity offering in it, Get in touch with the plan sponsor. Yep. That plan participant is entitled to all kinds of information about that annuity offering in that plan. Right. Now, you, you as an advisor may not like it. You may have think that you've got a better product on your hand, and you still may be able to do it if that person can roll their money out of the 401k plan into your favorite product. But for the most part, for the person who is employed, they're not going to be able to roll that money out of that 401k plan right. into the product you think is best for them. You're stuck. You've just got it. Typically, they're only buying one product of one design, um, and you have to understand it. So that's the key. Talk to, to get, get the name of the HR person that has the summary plan description. Every one of these annuity products that are in 401k plans have a lot of um, corollary materials that explain it. Um, all these employers are trying to get their employees comfortable with it. So right. you need to go get familiar with it. It's still an annuity, which requires a lot of expert knowledge that these that the financial professional has, but the person who's an employee has no interest in knowing about it. 
They right. need you. They need you to figure out how much of their money they should be putting into this annuity program. But in order to do that, you need to find out what it is. I mean, what are the terms? Is it a GLWB or not? Is it yeah. a standalone or not? Is it part of a managed account or not? And how does that fit into your customer's uh, customer's plan? Right. So you say, you know, it, hey, it's still an annuity, but how are annuities within 401k similar to retail annuities and how are they different? Um. The difference is actually, uh, there's two two differences. One, the only thing you can put into them is money that's in the retirement plan. So that's fundamental, right? But it's purchased uh, based upon a contract between the insurance company and the 401k plan and the employer, not right. with the individual. So yep. there are a whole pile of technical rules that apply differently to an annuity contract that's purchased by a plan than that retail annuity that the, the advisor would be selling to the individual if they if they just had their IRA and they were talking about purchasing a, an annuity contract with the IRA. Um, compensation, you're not gonna be able to get compensation off that contract, that's a big deal, right? You're gonna have to make sure that you're, you work out with your, um, with your client on how, you, how that's fold into your own fees. Right. Um, there are very, the, the pricing is going to be different in a, a plan purchase annuity than it's going to be in a retail annuity. For one, the plans often can buy at scale. They can get kind of pricing on this thing. And how pricing is reflected is usually in things like the crediting rates under the, under the contracts, um, in some other ancillary benefits and enhancements to the benefits. So typically a 401k plan will be able to offer to plan participants a level of annuity with the kinds of designs and benefits that they could not get individually because scale is not there. I mean, when you're selling an individual annuity contract, there's all sorts of things that make it more expensive than if a plan could buy. So keep that in mind. So yeah. um, that that's where you're going to see a difference in the benefits and the pricing of it, um, and maybe even the crediting rates. Sure. Um, and there's a whole pot. I tell you what, I would do warn you against it. Let's say if you have a small employer who wants to, you, you know, they're they're a customer, a client of yours. You've sold them an annuity. The annuity that you have sold that person individually may not serve well if if it's put into that person's 401k plan that they sponsor because they own a small company. Right. You really need to be careful about that because there's a you can get your employer or your client in a whole bunch of trouble if you try just putting that same annuity that you sold to them personally into the yeah. 401k plan because the compliance rules just aren't there. And there are some serious financial penalties if you don't comply with the rules. So you might like the idea and your client who owns a small business might be very comfortable with the idea of your annuity of that product, but you will need an institutional version of that product to put right. it in four one k plans. Now, there has been for a long time, you know, these one or two employer shops that actually have an annuity, a retail annuity in their four one k plan. Typically, when you're in that very small shop, typically those will work. But if you have any number of employees then you start getting into trouble and make sure you go to your insurance company and ask them what is their institutional version of the product that you've sold on the retail side. Gotcha. Now, very good point. And uh, thanks for that warning. So I understand the conversations that a financial professional should be then having with a plan sponsor or that person in HR, but what questions should financial professionals ask about the annuity in the employer sponsored 401k plan to help offer the client some guidance? 
Um, boy, there's stuff. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff they can they can ask. Get get to know the specifics of the actual design and the yeah. what the guarantees are. Let, let me use an example of a GLWB. So an advisor selling an FIA with a GLWB, they they know how it works, right? Yeah. And um, but they need the advisor needs to help the client understand what happens if the plan terminates. What happens if the employee terminates? How do they get that guarantee, and how can they take that guarantee with them and not lose that guarantee they've been they've been working on for all that time? Right. So understand their investment rights underneath the contract. Every contract, every lifetime income program has a little bit of different design. They need to understand the restrictions on it and any kind of risk that may be for their uh, own, uh, for their for their client, what risk they have when things change, you know, how firm are the guarantees? Um, again, and they need to know um, how you transfer the money between that contract that's held in the plan and other, con other investments in the plan. They need to know those details. And then they need to know when the participant leaves that employer, how can they take those guarantees with them. Can it go yeah. to an IRA? Can it go to another plan? I roll into another plan. They specifically know the 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 employees, the participants going to rely upon that advisor to find out, hey, what happens if I quit jobs? What's going to yeah. happen to my GLWB then? That advisor, they're going to look at that advisor and say, look, you told me. <laughs> so they, they got to know. They gotta yeah, know. no, for sure. For sure. No, I'm I'm glad we're having this conversation. Obviously, you have a wealth of knowledge on it, so that's you know obviously a plus. And it sounds like you need to be a financial professional in every sense of the word if you're going to delve into this and try to explain it. Typically, the rule of thumb is that financial professionals would talk about adding an annuity into a client's portfolio about I don't know five to ten years before they retire. What about for these annuities within a four hundred one k plan, like? When should clients start allocating funds there? Um, everybody who sells uh, annuity contracts to these 401k plans has their own number, right? They all say they typically key it to an age. You know, it's age. Uh, it could be age 35. It could be age 45, age 55. Um, um, it's going to depend upon the actual design. The seat. This, that's one thing about 401k lifetime income. It yeah. really does require the individual financial advisor to be involved. They need, again, it, it might be the same answer. Start buying that thing 10 years beforehand. You know, in some of these products in the retail space, what happens is you are buying, the longer you're in it, the greater of the lifetime income benefit you get on the back end. They have something called the benefit base, right? That they could, That actually grows over time in a way that you that uh, you couldn't get if you just went out when you retired to buy the annuity with your retirement account. So I don't have an answer to that question. That financial professional does, though. Once sure. he knows what that product is, they should be able to tell you how that fits in with the rest of your financial plan and when you should start allocating your 401k account to um, that annuity. This is where that This is where the advisor really will pay a key role. Right. No, absolutely. Again, that's what I said. They had to be a financial professional, truly, in every sense of the word. In in your work, what have you learned about the effectiveness and best uses for annuities and 401k plans? And what are some of the top considerations for financial professionals who want to work in the best interests of the clients? 
I think one of the key issues that has to be resolved is uh, the ability to roll over the guarantees. So let's say you're, I will use a GLWB as a great example. Mm -hmm. So when you're purchasing a GLWB in a plan, you are actually purchasing some uh, floors, some guarantees, some enhanced benefits, having the ability to save that and not lose it when you leave the plan or when gotcha. the plan leaves you. Um, to me, that is number one, and that's that's the key, is really portability of the benefit. And that's what we're all working on to make these things really more portable. So yeah. um, every product is a little bit different. Every insurance company's product has a little bit different features, upsides and downsides. Um, but when it really comes down to it, no matter how it's designed, you got to know how you can take the guarantees with you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you mentioned the word portability throughout uh, today's discussion. And I mean, that's really key. And uh, if you ever want to hone in on a word, that's probably the one because that uh, kind of makes sense for it all to come together. How do you think annuities within 401ks will change retirement planning for clients and the professionals who help them? I think it's now going to be before when you think about how 401k account balances have always fit into an individual's financial plan. It's it's it, the, the most the advisor would do was advise them how to allocate their investments between the investments that are available in the 401k plan. And that's the extent of it. I think what's what the change will be is now that you're going to be able to purchase the individual is going to be able to purchase lifetime income at scale at good pricing at uh, yeah it's going to become now a critical portion of the individual's uh financial plan well beyond the allocation of the assets within with, within the uh, 401 that are available in the 401k plan so uh, i think the successful advisor and professional will see that it is now critical that they know what the terms and conditions of that um, lifetime income program being offered under the 401k, and they'll need to incorporate it into um, their financial plan more than just kind of an aside. This is how you're going yeah. to allocate. It becomes a critical part of your entire financial plan. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I want, if I could say one more thing about the yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was about uh, portability. Be yeah, careful, please do. Uh, be careful about portability. I've seen a lot of these products that are out there that they're claiming that the guarantees are portable. Make sure you turn go into the details of what does that mean. Does that hmm. mean that they have to sell your annuity that's in the plan and then buy a new one at a different pricing level? And hmm. are you guaranteed to actually go and get that new product once you leave? Or are you, what are you losing? So gotcha. there's not a vendor out there right now who isn't saying that their product is portable. Don't take it as face value. Gotcha. Dive into the details on what it takes to actually port that benefit that you've accrued under the plan and take sure. it to wherever you're going, whether it be your IRO or to another plan or things like that. Everybody says they're portable. Yeah. You're the professional. You can understand the terms. Go find out what that really means. You really be helping your customer that way, your client that way. Absolutely. So last question here. What do you see as the next innovation coming to employer retirement benefits? I mean, are we going to see a Secure Act 3 and turn this thing into a trilogy where the, the third movie is the worst amongst the bunch? But what do you think is next in terms of innovation? 
uh, the next innovation is going to be finding a way, anyway, we don't see it coming yet, uh, a way to, you know, you're hearing a bunch of stuff, like the, now that you're making the federal uh, thrift plans available as 401k plans, you're hearing a bunch of really odds and ends. One of the big issues are 43B collective investment trusts. I mean, there's a bunch of big issues like that out there. Sure. But um, the, the, so it really goes to the sound of portability. What I still think, there has to be a universality of all this. You have to be able to easily um, move your uh, lifetime income guarantees from one place to another. And I think that I've seen some people try to actually patent certain processes. A lot of people are thinking about how to do this. Okay. And we, we will need some legislation for it. But I think really the next big thing and we're nowhere near seeing it yet. Will be some kind of the universal portability to move these things yeah. around wherever you go and preserve them. Personally, gotcha. No, that's going to be huge. Well, I tell you what, for the millions and millions of folks <laughs> who have enjoyed today's conversation, where can they find you online? I maintain a website, a blog site, where I've been blogging on lifetime income and all sorts of retirement products for the last. 12 or 13 years. It's businessofbenefits.com. So thank you so much for your time, uh, your wisdom, and um, being here today. Travis, I've enjoyed it as always. This has been fun. So what we learned from Bob is that you need to understand the offerings and employer-sponsored retirement plans. After all, these plans hold the majority of retirement assets. Newer options, like annuities within 401k plans, can help Americans address risk and the new reality of retirement. Thanks for listening to Rebuilding Retirement. I'm Travis Walker. Join us next time.